Right. Are we ready? Yes. Ah, yeah, I'm ready. There we go. Oh, God. <laughs> Good God. I, I, I hate you, Ian. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peace and love. I hate you. Nice, nice positive. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, a, for a film about positivity. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Ian. <laughs> I thought this was about horses. everyone and welcome once again to the phantom zone your one-stop shop for all things nerdy if you like what you hear today you can listen to our other episodes on a whole range of nerdy topics now on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and soundcloud my name is chris buick and i'm joined once again by three of my favorite people fellow nerds toby ian and simone how are you all hello yeah good thank you good good weekend so far yeah Yeah. that's fine busy Busy, good, 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 busy, good, busy, good, busy, good, busy. Well, we are here uh, this week to talk all about what might be the pinkest film in cinema history, which is, of course, Barbie, the latest film from the amazing Greta Gerwig, starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Um, We've all now seen the film. You guys, actually, Simone and Ian, have already done some uh, talk about this over with our friends at Gay Actually on their podcast. Uh, How was that? Yeah, it was great. It was a good time. Yeah, really good vibes. They're good. They're good laughs over there. Gay, actually, we like we love Amber and Joyce, good friends of ours. Um, so, but we are here to talk about Barbie ourselves. Toby and I are here as well to help. <laughs> We're just cameoing. The cameoing in this in this our own podcast. Um, to talk all about the finer points of Barbie, really get into the details, our thoughts and opinions on it, and critiques. Um, before we head off to Barbie Land, the four of us, just a couple of notes on the numbers so far for this film. Barbie now stands at $1.21 billion worldwide, Ooh. which is yes, crazy. Well done, Greta. Uh, it is now the highest grossing Warner Brothers film domestically ever, beating The Dark Knight. Woo! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Threw that one in just for you. <laughs> and of course, it is the highest grossing film based on a toy ever. That includes Lego movies. And oh, that's wild. And all. It's crazy. So this film has literally smashed it so it is yeah. killing it across the board so but what about the cinematic phenomenon that was battleship oh, this is true <laughs> this is true yeah. seeing rihanna just say boom into the mic is the highlight. <laughs> yeah, everyone forgets how that took the world by storm when it yes. came out you know yes i remember f- what I remember watching that in the hotel, getting ready to go out and thinking, I do not care if I miss the last 10, 15 minutes of this film. <laughs> I hope one day my children ask me, Dad, where were you when the cinematic masterpiece Battleship came out? And I'll just say, I ain't got a fucking clue because I didn't see it. So yeah. <laughs> you go, was that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? When no, did I, I have you? Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Get out of my house. Who are you? <laughs> What are you doing in here? Get out of here! <laughs> no one went to see Battleship at cinema, but apparently tons of people have gone to see Barbie, which is fantastic. Because we're yeah. and now we're going to get really into it about the film and what we thought of it. And we're going to start with you, Simone. How did you find Barbie, and what were your general thoughts and critiques of the film? I loved it. I really, Yay. really loved it. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Um, just a fun time all round. The acting was great. The set pieces were great. The music was great. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I do because I coming away from it, I did have some like quite a few bits of criticism for it. Um, mm. But overall, fantastic film. Broadly great. What more can I say? I mean, I will say more, but <laughs> you just leave the podcast. <laughs> well, Mike drop. Simone is out. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Simone. Broadly great. Uh, Toby, what did you think? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as Simone. I thoroughly enjoyed it when I was watching it. I thought it was a great laugh, like a lot of like genuine belly laughs watching it. I was surprised at how funny it was, um, and uh, I, I think in the the light of sort of stepping away, having a bit of time between watching it to then sort of thinking about it for the podcast, 
I, I, I think there are a few cracks in the armor, but I, mm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's definitely up there with one of the top films of the year. Certainly a contender. So broadly great for me too. Amazing. I'm going to go next with saying broadly great as well. Yes, I agree. Over time, with thought and consideration, there are some things that you know, maybe fall under the, the, the critiques column that we can get into shortly. But for me, I agree. Broadly great. Really enjoyed it. Um, very funny. Great casting. Uh, great performances. Uh, yeah, and agree. Definitely one of the top films of the year. Uh, Ian, are we going to make it four for four? Well, I think it is um, a piece of woke propaganda trying to make <laughs> us make us all gay. That's what I He's think. He's one is. of them. He's <laughs> one of them. Has joined the podcast. He's ben Sh- I'm bringing be- my friend Ben Shapiro on for a 45 minute rant. No, <laughs> hey, um, ben, hey Ben, you loser. No, um, <laughs> I. No, you are uh, a loser, Ben. You are yeah, a you loser. are a loser, Ben. 45 minutes. Jesus, get a life. Um, no, I, I obviously no. That's not what I think. I I thought it was a really good time. Very much like Simone, Toby, and yourself. Like, I really enjoyed it whilst watching it. I still really enjoy it now. But I think in the cold light of day, maybe there's some critique of it that I can make. But I certainly think it's probably thus far in the year probably would be in my top ten films of the year I've seen. Um, Maybe top five, but you know, since Barbie's come out, I've got to see a few other films which I might put higher than it now. But yeah, I think it's a really, yeah, I think it's a really fun film, a good time, and I think in the environment of cinema that we we're in, I think it's nice to have something like Barbie come out because it's it does feel fresh and enjoyable and mm. just a good vibe. It was just a good vibe, and and going to the cinema actually like. It was a it was an experience because everybody else there was having a good time too. Like it was a let's go semi like a cult sort of classic film mm. vibe. Um, you know, like Grease or the Rocky Horror Show or something like that. Everybody was in pink and it was just a it was a good time. So yeah, I had a really nice a really nice time with it. <laughs> I had a, I had a good time. Did we all wear pink? I know I wore my pink t shirt when I went. Did, did we all? I didn't actually get the memo, room? so I. I actually do own like a, ze- a zebra print pink shorts that I should have definitely worn. My God. But, <laughs> but I completely forgot to wear them. You all have to post a picture of those on the Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll post me wearing them. I love them shorts. Yeah, but you're right. There was a, there was a sense of, um, I guess, community watching this film in mm. cinemas because I feel like everyone was... In on, in on it and willing to you know dive right in and enjoy Barbie for what it was. Um, sorry, it's a very loud plane just going right over my eyes. <laughs> Is it a Barbie plane rolling along a table? You know what? Yeah. We, live, we live near an airfield, a military airfield sometimes, and they just scramble. Don't know where they're going. Hopefully, it's okay. Hopefully yeah, um, <laughs> this this podcast might abruptly end, viewers. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> apologies for that. Um, but yeah, so I think. We're all in agreement. Really great film. And it'd be interesting to see where this lands when we do our, I guess, reviews towards the end of the year as to where this lands, yeah. top fives, top tens, how, how what's still to come out. Um, obviously, we've got Blue Beetle still to come, guys. So let's not count our chickens gonna yet. Be th- that is the going to be the film of the generation. I generation. Think. Yeah. <laughs> Toby, your children will ask you where you were. <laughs> <laughs> And you again, you'll be like, Who are you? Get out of my house. Yeah, Where am I? Why do you keep Why are there more of you? <laughs> are you Blue Beetles? I don't know what's happening. Um, but let's let's talk about, I guess, some of those critiques and I guess the film's strengths and weaknesses. Simone, you mentioned you had some that you came away with. Um, do you want to dive a bit deeper into some of those things you really enjoyed and then some of those critiques that kind of stayed with you after the film? Yeah, I think for me, ultimately, what I was really looking for and didn't actually find at all in the film um, was sort of a bit, a bit more of a intersexual, um, inter, inter, interse- yeah, intersexual um, look at feminism. Um, so it's some sort of intersectionality. Um, just taking a little bit more about people's identities and the cross-sections of that um I don't know if you guys are aware of intersectionality but um I'll briefly sort of explain it it's it's the idea that your identities uh they come at a 
cross point so for me I am a black woman so that is the intersect there um so that that affects my journey through the world um and what I was hoping was just a little bit just a little deconstruction of that in the film we have a black Barbie that is president I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more of that breakdown um yeah just a little bit more of that um sure Sorry, yeah. I'm reading my notes. Hold on. That's, a, that's all right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I guess have I, like five pages of notes. I, I agree. I think part of where the film does push the envelope a, a bit and, you know, does break some barriers and obviously is really good in that way, but could have maybe gone a step further, especially, you know, you've got Greta Gerwig at the helm. You know, I, there's a, there is a feeling that she really could have swung for the fences, but I don't know whether that comes down to... Um, I guess the film being kind of, I don't know, a commercial. There's a commercial aspect to this type of yeah, film. Yeah, there's a hundred percent a commercial aspect to it. Um, and and there's that to consider for Greta and the studio. Um, yeah. Bums on seats, that you know that kind of thing. But so maybe there's a there's something in that. Yeah, I mean, America Ferrera being a Latinx woman, I would have liked to have seen more of her identity brought into it, especially with the tensions in America right now. Mm. Um. I know we have the the build the wall gag and like just maybe just a, a little bit more on that level because a lot of it felt very surface level for like one like feminism one oh one and I was just kind of hoping for just a little bit more of a deep dive something a little bit extra for the adults in the room there were a lot of children in the room um but just a little bit something more do you know what sure. I mean yeah yeah I do I do I do um Ian, uh, do you have any follow-up thoughts to that and any other further critiques of the film? Well, yeah, I think it's kind of adding to what you were saying about the commercialism aspect of it and how the sort of, like, tone of the film does have that sort of, like, feminism 101. I completely agree with Simone. Um, that, But I kind of agree with what you're saying, that because of the commercial aspect of it, I feel it was kind of keeping it at a surface level because of that. Mm. Like... It, it didn't delve into it as much as it could have because I feel like it was trying to stretch between making sure it could sell toys for, for children and also then have a message that Greta Gerwig probably wanted to, to make. And I think she was constrained by probably Mattel. Um, evidence of that, obviously, is post-seeing the film. You know, I, I did a bit of reading about the the project, I guess, and something that I had perhaps the cynic in me that, you know, capitalism runs our world and everything's terrible. But the cynic in me is like Mattel's sales in Barbies had like decreased in millennial mothers over the last like decade. So they wanted something to try and market to millennial mothers to then like sell and buy toys for their kids. And it feels like this film is like very much directed at that demographic mm-hmm. and knowing that i can't help but go that's what's caused this film to have a bit of a tone issue because when i was watching it i felt like one of the biggest tone pro- like issues i had was like when they were in the mattel offices which i actually think were totally not needed and like you could have just cut out completely because it didn't really do much for the plot of barbie's journey and you know the the story they were telling with Ken as well. It just kind of was there for like funny kids running around this office, and then there's a really hard cut where we even have a tonal change. There's a lens change which becomes a lot softer rather than hard colors, where we meet this ghost of the creator of Barbie, and then it hard cuts back to them running around. And I just felt the tone of the film was just kind of a bit everywhere. Not that it made it a bad film. I still think it was fun and good time, but I think that's one of the issues I had. And I think that is because Mattel was like, well, you can't get too much into it. Don't go, don't make too much of a message with this film. You know, we still want to say something, but we still want to sell it. You know, we still want to sell toys. Yeah, we still, which you can now, you can buy everything that you've seen in the film. Like you can buy literally everything that was yeah. there. So yeah, oh, that's a good point. That is a good point. I mean, I still maintain. I still, although I still maintain that point. if if Margot Robbie is like like her Barbie is stereotypical Barbie, right? Mm. And like they all have jobs. If she's stereotypical, what is her job? 
Is she just Exa- like a, wow, exactly. is she just a jobless bum? Like I, I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. Yeah, bum. Like, jobless what's, jobless what's bum job? Barbie. <laughs> what's her job? Like so, I need so many I just had images of Rocky's trainer in fucking Barbie going. Yeah, bum. You're, you're a bum, Barbie. You're a real bum. <laughs> Like what's what's her job? Like Ken has a job. He's beach Ken. He's got to be at the beach. Is that a job? Beaching. Yeah, he's I mean, beaching. He beaches he's, everyone off. He beaches everyone <laughs> off. You know. It's well, I think if nothing else, if she's she's like the default, isn't she? Where everyone sort of works off of her initial. She's a template, Barbie, isn't she? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She's working platform for everyone else to be built upon. But is that yeah. her job? I guess. Well, apparently so. I mean, <laughs> being, default. being there I'm, by default, you're the original. I mean, I'm guessing the original Barbie was the idea was it was just a doll that you could do. You know, it was your imagination, whatever Barbie you wanted Barbie to be, Barbie would be. Whereas then it became a bit more specific in what types of Barbie, as we see throughout the film, you know, but all the all the, all the different types of Barbie that I had no idea there were that many that have existed in ex- since uh, in Mattel's history, but I think the original stereotypical Barbie was just the the, the template that all the Barbies grew from and has has always been. But you're right; I, was like, I don't know what her job is. So, I don't so she know her... she is a jobless bum then. What, what, well, I, I mean, she she she's clearly not not doing an eight hey, five. They're, they're representing all demographics. You know, they're saying that. <laughs> Even little girls can aspire to be jobless bums. Maybe know, she's born born into money, Barbie. Actually, that's probably yeah. more yeah. accurate. Yeah, that's probably... with, with that house and car, she's definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's actually probably more stereotypical. Barbie is yeah. definitely a boomer child. You know, like she's, making she's money. like uh, varsity nepo college baby. Barbie. Nepo baby. That's the term. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's a nepo baby. Nepo yeah, baby she's Ivy League Barbie. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. have a job. <laughs> There's a great joke actually in the film, which I think is actually really, really underrated, where she's called a fascist and she's like sat outside the school where she's been called a fascist. And she's like, she thinks I'm a fascist, but I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a great joke. I was like, that's really underrated as a joke. There are some, there are some killer jokes in this film for sure. Um, Toby, the thoughts on, I guess, Ian's thoughts on tone and the kind of imbalance there. Um, what do you kind of do? Would you agree with that? And I guess, what are your thoughts on maybe where the film doesn't shine as much as you'd hoped as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd certainly agree because I think for myself, where I, I've got the same points that yourself, Simone, and uh, Ian did touch upon, but I don't want to rehash that because obviously we've we've gone on to that for a bit, but. Um, I, I think tonally and potentially in the structure of the film, that that's potentially where it sort of lost me a little bit because I feel, yeah, it's a great time. There's a lot of good laughs, um, but I, whether it's tonally all over the place, but I feel there's, there's quite a lot of sections where the film is a conglomerate of really good scenes, for me anyway. I think that it doesn't have a really sort of flowing story i think there's lots of good really poignant scenes that are stuck together and whether it be the tonal shift or whatever it may be i feel like it it is a little bit of disjointed sort of nature to it as you move Mm. along Mm. Um, and i think that that also has a a, a through line with certain plot points because one of the biggest plot points for me that i thought was dropped was what they were initially building up as to be in my eyes the key part of the story which was Barbie coming to the real world to find who the little girl is um, that's causing her to have these adverse feelings in Barbie world. And then she comes to the real world and it find, and she finds out that it's not the little girl who was playing with her. It was the mother of that little girl hmm. who is, is having relationship issues with her daughter and having like seeds of doubt because this little girl has now grown up to be a, a teenager and it, they're sort of drifting apart as a relationship. And I felt that that was going to be the through line of the film where Barbie was going to try and reconcile this this relationship. But it seems to be healed almost instantly just by Barbie's presence. And then they're suddenly in Barbie world trying to rectify the ramifications of Ken's interactions with the patriarchy and understanding or his understanding of the patriarchy and bringing it to Barbie world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a huge plot point that's kind of just skimmed or skipped over completely. And it's just resolved because the film needs it to be resolved because there's something else at play. And I'd say yeah. that that for me is the biggest omission for me is certain mm. plot threads like that. And I agree with Ian sort of on the tonal shifts. 
Yeah, I I wonder, and I don't want to get into the whole you know director's cut debates that never stop in the industry these days. You know, every every film has a director's cut that demands to be released. But I do wonder if there was some stuff on the not mentioning any names specifically. Um, but you know, is there anything that was cut from this film that might have given the points you just raised, Toby, a bit more? Uh, well, substance. Um, I, I believe I've heard that pre- uh, pregnant Barbie was meant to actually have the baby. Yeah, and yeah. there was definitely a post-credit scene where Helen Mirren breaks the fourth wall and comes out and speaks to us. Yeah, so there is. So but Mattel clear, said no, don't do that. <laughs> there's clearly content here that has been cut, and you know, the, like you said about pregnant Barbie, that's something that is very, I guess, Greta Gerwig's kind of that's something she would put in her film, and I think. Yeah. As much as she's a she's a fantastic voice for this film, it goes back to my earlier point of obviously you've got Warner Brothers and Mattel in the background who might say no, we can't do this, we can't do that. You know, mm. is there? And you know, you gotta let a Greta Gerwig be Greta Gerwig because she's fantastic. But I do wonder, yeah, if sometimes that kind of background noise hampers this film in terms of what story actually could tell because she definitely tell. gets her voice in there 100 percent. like she's this, very good at it especially i think my favorite scene of the film is when barbie's choosing to become human at the end spoilers if you haven't seen it but um the i mean why are you listening to this yeah. um the when she chooses to become human at the end with the ghost of the creator and you have this really emotional scene with some Billie Eilish music playing and you have her eye with lots of moments of women's lives. And that's like, I think the heart of the film and, you know, the, that's a hundred percent Greta Gerwig. Like that is like you tonally, it looks like her films, like Lady Bird has this sort of like nice warm hue to the like lenses. And like, that's how that came across some of the other f- parts of the film, although very good, I wouldn't have been like, that's definitely Greta Gerwig. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. still good and it's a good vibe and it's good energy. So she does get her voice in here, but I just do wonder, I agree with you, Chris. I wonder if like Mattel were a bit like, or at least the studio were a bit like, well, we can't go all the way with it. We can't let you do all of that. Yeah, I do. I do. And Simone and Toby can weigh in after. I do feel like this is a Greta Gerwig film. You know, I feel that. And I feel having watched, you know, Francis Ha and Lady Bird, like you just said, that she does have a very distinct voice and one that sh- should be given as much opportunity to say what she wants as possible because she makes fantastic films with fantastic, well written stories and characters. And yeah, it might be hampered. I still feel like this is distinctly Greta's, a Greta film, a Greta Gerwig film. Um, I just wish she would have been given like completely free reign because this film could have really swung for the fences at times. I don't know what Simone and Toby, Toby, I, I can see you're waiting to go. So what do you think? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I agree with the points of sort of Greta Gerwig's voice being in this because I think even though there is, I mean, this film is a triumph of marketing, if nothing else, just absolutely just bombastic marketing that just absolutely killed it. You, you could not get away from the marketing for this film. But I, I feel that where Greta Gerwig, she, she obviously had a mandate that you had to sort of touch upon uh, certain Barbie points, whether or not it be referencing the, the, the ambulance and things like that that opened up. I thought the set pieces that they had were fantastic. But there was very much a tongue-in-cheek um, sort of ribbing with all the marketing, you know, with the sense that Barbie's throwing out clothes or Ken's throwing out clothes and then they're becoming very much like a scene itemized it's like this is barbie's dress for such and such and such and such you know so i felt that mm. whilst there was this sense that this is a marketing film this is designed to be sort of advertising our toys i felt like there was a you could see greta gerwig getting a little sort of rib in there by sort of taking the mickey out of that sort of subject it's like yeah yeah sure this is this is your item but we're also going to make it sort of the joke of the movie and i think mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of her spin on being able to get that through. Yeah, yeah, I think she plays with because those jokes are funny, but I think it's a win-win for everyone. Obviously, Greta Gerwig gets the jokes in and has a little, like you say, dig at the commercial aspect. But for Mattel, they're they're laughing all the way to the bank, I think, after this film. So, you know, 
Um, Simone, what did you think about Greta Gerwig's, you know, voice and, you know, is is how much of a, a Greta Gerwig film is this compared to some of her other work? I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It is a you 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 can tell that it's a a Greta Gerwig special. You know, there is something very warm about all of her films and the ideas of like in ladybird the theme of like what love is that runs through the film um and like eventually concludes that it's like love is attention it's paying attention to things and she does thoroughly pay attention to um everything in this film it's Mm -hmm. it's there's there's so much care and attention that went into making this and i i do like appreciate that she must have had you're fighting a losing battle when you are trying to make a film that is it's a it's it's basically a very long ad um with some i mean the very subtle car ad during the car chase (laughs) you know and then there's like what was it what was it a honda or something i can't remember what it was didn't land for me but yeah like this car pulls up and then it's all of these like like a car advert halfway through um so yeah i i get that it's kind of like your your back's kind of up against a wall yeah um but i mean like it's still it's still definitely a greta gerwig film still has very beautiful moments like all of her films do do um so yeah i agree it it really could have been a commercialized mess of a film and just being yeah. complete product placement i mean it is very uh i guess present in the film you know like you say the car chase is, a, is an example and all the jokes about all the stuff you can buy and all the different barbies you can have but i feel like in someone like greta gerwig's hands that is used to an advantage more often than yeah. not and make well, she's taking film. she's acknowledging them isn't she yeah she's, sort of she is. she's like look this is a product you know <laughs> and yeah. there's no two ways about it but what i'm gonna do is make the best of it and make the best film i can and she i think she has and i think yeah a lot of it is a lot of the strengths of this film are down to greta Gerwig and you know the people she puts around her margot robbie in a producer role for example so yeah. i guess let's get into some of those strengths of the film what makes the film really shine stand out what makes it a fantastic film simone i'm going to come to you first what makes this film really shine and what kind of moments stand out for you just give me a real barbie world like in the (laughs) physical world right now i will visit it it was absolutely stunning stunning it was beautiful beautifully designed um production oh my god The, the the production design there was just fantastic i loved all the the gags at the beginning where it's like you know she's showering where there's no water and she's drinking and it's like it was just it was it was absolutely yeah. brilliant it actually made the world run low in pink paint because all the pink paint was being yeah. used for this film it's crazy <laughs> i didn't know that That's yeah there was a pink paint shortage because they basically signed it all in flew it all in for this film which is insane it's very pink but yeah. i think it pays off the film looks brilliant i think um, yeah, and they, yeah. they craft it to make it feel quite real not i say realistic but it felt like a lived-in world for those characters yeah, 100%. yeah. It, it it didn't it, it didn't feel deliberately like set it felt very much like it was the world that they were living in which i thought was quite unique that they managed to pull that off convincingly yeah yeah i think the world looks fantastic and you're right it does give it a sense of authenticity to it um what else did we like about the film simone anything else um what else did i like about the film um i mean it was it was genuinely really funny like it was it was it was really funny um loads of jokes loads of laughs um as i said at the beginning the music like the soundtrack was just fantastic mm. um the opening song from lizzo who's a bit if you don't know maybe Go, give it a Google. Um, yeah, we're not going to talk we're about not, it. We're not going to talk about it. Just um, Google it. Google it. Yeah, that opening song was perfect. The Billie Eilish song, what was I made oh, for? Was absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, I I love this film so much. I really do. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great film. Uh, Ian, thoughts on what, what really stood out in this film for you? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we've talked about the tonal 
issue that we had but for for those tonal issues in terms of like it jumping around for like maybe for kids to adults i still think like it is incredibly funny and self-aware as we talked about you know Greta Gerwig kind of owned that yes you know it is a toy and I imagine there was an element of her being told by Mattel or a studio there will be an element of you selling this toy but you know it could just become a commercial Mm -hmm. which you we have seen in films you know there is a myriad of films that are just for commercials for kids to buy toys you know and that's not what you get here even though it is there you know it's all very aware one of the best jokes that i think we all really laughed at is when you have the depressed barbie commercial and like this new toy that you can buy from mattel depressed barbie and it's like it's stuff like that fantastic it's such a good joke and it stands out because it's like yeah this is going to be a toy commercial but we're handling it in a really good way so yeah i think that's great i think you know, something we haven't mentioned as much, but I think people do really love it is, you know, Ryan Gosling's performance as Ken yes. is outstanding. Yes. Like, you know, I really, really think he's fantastic in this film. And well, there's I've... mentions of him, you know, Oscar nods and stuff. Obviously, that's things. But, you know, I think I don't know about that, but I think I agree with you. I think Ryan Gosling. I think he should win. Like yeah. thus far, I'm trying he to think of it. Definitely be nominated. Like, oh, it's he's, so good. He's so he good acts. He sings. He dances. Like, <sighs> what more could you want? He's so. It seems like he's having a good time as well. Yes, and he has and some of the best jokes. Proven that as well. He, yeah. They, they all, everyone involved in this seems to be having a great time doing yeah. it. Yeah, and it, he has some of the best jokes in it as well. Just like some of the one-liners that he comes out with and his song is just one of the funniest in the film i think he completely leans into it as well which is why it works so well he completely just gives over to the role and goes yeah i'm just gonna have as much fun with this as i possibly can yeah and and kendom is hilarious as well (laughs) you know one of my favorite jokes in it was them deprogramming all the barbies and them having the um godfather explaining (laughs) scene i just think that's so funny and like i turned to Simone when we were watching it and i was like this is every christopher nolan fan like this (laughs) this scene is every christopher nolan fan when you that scene was fantastic yeah when you say you don't like christopher nolan and they're like well you don't understand that this film's actually about dreams inside of dreams i got it i got i got that all right like so many women have had that experience of like some guy explaining like oh you like this film is just so you know or like playing a guitar at her like ian did you know like there's just so we'll move on we'll move on move on move on it's just it's so (laughs) so on the nose it's so perfect and it's just so real like i love Mm. that Mm. yeah yeah toby thoughts on what stood out for you Uh, i mean ryan gosling obviously but uh i actually think the film itself really benefited from having margot robbie as the lead um I think she sort of encapsulated the character fantastically. And I think if she didn't give it the level of authenticity that she did, I think the film would have struggled throughout. Mm-hmm. Whilst Ken obviously did a lot of the the heavy lifting from sort of the supporting act side of things, I think to have your titular lead pull it off quite as convincingly and as well as Margot Robbie did, I think that it would be a disservice to say that she was not the best part of the film. Um, I really think she did all the sort of heavy lifting and that side of things. Um, but Ryan Gosling was brilliant. I really enjoyed his character. And I really liked Michael Sarah as Alan. Oh, Michael Sarah. very, very funny and undersung. We all love, we all love Michael Sarah. We love Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Michael Sarah's in, we are, we're, we're there for. But he is, yep. he is really good in this as the, you know, obviously reluctant member of the soon-to-be patriarchy in Barbie Land and yeah, he, he plays that character so well, and I think I, I agree as much as I, I think Ryan Gosling is phenomenal in this film, and you know deserves all the plaudits he gets. But Margot Robbie is, like you said, the titular character. She is Barbie. The film kind of lives and dies on that, um, regardless of how good the supporting cast are, and I think she carries it off pretty much mm. without, without a hitch. Um, she doesn't doesn't let the role descend into you know um 
kind of parody or pastiche, you know, of what Barbie is. You know, it's kind of gives she has she she gives the jokes their bite that they need, and but also gives it that kind of you know more emotional moments in there as well. She really delivers on all sides for that. So I think yeah. she and obviously she's helped produce the film. So she's clearly put a lot of passion into this and a lot of thought. And I think between her and Greta Gerwig and obviously. No, but who wrote it? They've made a the film probably as best as it probably could be, mm-hmm. I think, and that's a lot of that is down to Margot Robbie as well. I think it's the it, with speaking of how great she is, like, and semi jumping back to like how we feel the films may be affected by um, Mattel. I'm I'm fairly certain I read that they wanted to for time reasons because obviously they want it to be marketable to children. I think they wanted to cut the bit where Margot Robbie sat on the bench observing like humans for the first time. And that scene, like she really gets to show her acting in, in how great of an actor she is. Um, You know, she's watching couples have like the highest highs, the lowest lows, people with children, like people going through like extreme pain and like crying we don't know why and neither does she, but she kind of feels the emotion that all these people have. Yeah. And and then she meets this older lady who talks about how she knows she's beautiful. And it's a really, she, her acting in that scene is like outstanding. And it's, it is true. She really pushes the film and I'm really glad that scene didn't get cut. If that is something they were pushing. Uh, Cause it's an, it's, it's an amazing scene. It really gets across that Barbie is, wanting to become human because of what she's seeing around her and this world that she's in and the beauty and the sadness of it. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. give her quite a, a well-rounded character arc in general. Cause you know, when she needs to be strong, she's strong. When she confronts sort of the, the lewd comments when her and Ken initially come on to the beach for the first time, which I thought was a really good scene in sort of showing the two parallel differences between how men and women receive attention and how, Barbie was readily getting more and more uncomfortable by the unwanted attention she was getting whilst Ken was getting an ego boost and was getting more and more confident in that sort of setting. I thought that was very, very unique. But then at the same time, they allowed Barbie to sort of show her her flaws and her weaknesses where things she just couldn't figure out what was going on in Ken world and then just decided to give up. You know, so she just sort of clapped mm. to the floor, laid there. And I was like, I'm just going to lay here. And it it shows that no matter how strong you are, there are going to be times that you need that. But then it's also beneficial to have other women or other people around you that can support you and pick you back up. And that was obviously America Ferreira's character there that sort of helped get her back up on her feet. So I think she gets quite a a unique arc where she kind of gets to to touch upon a whole spectrum of different aphorisms, the highs, the lows, and then sort of building yourself back up again. I thought that was quite unique because there's a lot of the the so-called woke agenda where people get these Mary Sue's or, or um, Mark Sue's or whatever the boy equivalent is where they're the unf- unfathomably unbreakable characters that do everything correctly all the first time. Mm-hmm. But this sort of gives the dynamic that you don't have to be to still be a strong and powerful character. You can have issues, you can have problems, but you just got to be able to have people around you that can help face that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. Well said. Well said. Goddamn right. Yeah, and you showed the woke agenda. What's what's for? You know those bloody woke people. I know. God. Ben Shapiro's back in here. Bring him in. (laughs) (laughs) His eyebrows are following us around the room. Yeah. (laughs) It is crazy how people have gotten so offended by a film. Get a grip. Get. Just (laughs) honestly. Think, do something else for your life. Jesus Christ. 45 minutes. I know. Look, what a sad That's little thing. man. If people get so upset about a bloody Barbie movie. There's something wrong with the world, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there just... is something deeply wrong with the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's well horses. It's the horses. The horses. The, they, yes, thought, the... they thought it was about horses. <laughs> yeah. It's all about horses. I think it, it comes down to something that Simone and I, I think we talked on um, Gay Actually about. And it resonated with me and I think us on the podcast um, that I think people just go fucking crazy at the idea that Ken, Ken is essentially like defined by Barbie. That's his whole like character arc in this, Mm. trying to find definition in their relationship, which is non-existent. 
And that's been like female characters in films for like years, like years and years and years and still now. Oppenheimer and looking at you. Oppenheimer. Uh, I've, I've, you... Got, I've got things to say about Oppenheimer. We'll get into that. No, Oppenheimer. Oh, Christ. Um, so, like, you you have a male character now having to do that, and it just sends the Ben Shapiro's of the world absolutely batshit crazy because it's like, what, what, what? You can't have a man doing that. You can't have a man having to do, go through that journey of trying to find a definition without another significant other who's a female. Because why would... That's not realistic. That's not real. And it's like, shut shut the it's fuck like up, you're man. missing the point, mate. <laughs> you completely Women don't have point. dreams or aspirations. <laughs> uh, and, like, just... Yeah, so, uh, it's what I was saying. They just missed the point. It's the yeah. point of the film. You've just fucking... You've just proven how much of a moron you are. Like and, and, and exactly why a film like this needs to exist because yeah. it's just it tells us who's a moron and who's yeah, not. Like <laughs> if, if nothing else, it challenges their ego, doesn't it? And it ch- challenges their comfort zone because you know they're used to this dichotomy of how things should be working, but then you know they're actually seeing the different side of it, or even they're having their flaws highlighted, and it's like, oh, I feel uncomfortable with this, and it's that um, offended culture isn't it you know where i'm offended therefore it must be changed or it's wrong it's not that okay i've been somewhat offended by this but that's just me and i think ricky gervais has always sort of had quite a good stance on that if we sort of spin it on him for a second um where it's like okay cool you you've been offended by this particular thing that's you you deal with that Mm, yeah don't make it a wider thing you know that's that that's just your personal opinion it's it's up for debate for everybody else yeah Fortunately, there's just the, the 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 Ben Shapiro's of the world who <laughs> who are worried that this film might turn them gay. And which again, a, I'm like, it's if, if you've left, thing to say. Yeah, I'm like, if I'm oh, not honey, saying honey. this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying this about Ben Shapiro because I'll be libelous. But like, just generally, whoever wrote that review where it's like they can't be happy until they've turned us all gay, which whoever whoever's made those Barbie posters with bad reviews on is a, is a genius, but. Whoever said that, I'm like, I don't think this film's made you gay. I think you that's always been there, buddy. I think like it's just you've maybe yeah, but just it's okay. And that's it's okay, okay. yeah, that's fine. fine. That's fine. None of us we can still all live in harmony, don't worry. Yeah. If anything, I'm happy that you've kind of realized this about yourself, but it wasn't this film, I can tell you that for free. Like, it didn't make you gay. Yeah. Has this awakened yeah. something in me? Yeah. It's a great community reference. Yeah. I hope this doesn't awake something in me. <laughs> <laughs> but back back to the back to the Oppenheimer thing is oh. the the Barbenheimer thing was obviously everyone knows about it and it was a big thing. I saw I didn't see them on the same day, but I saw Oppenheimer on one day of the weekend and then Barbie the next day. Honestly, watching the representation of female characters in Oppenheimer and then watching it in Barbie was just like the the needle just went completely and smash through the other end of the spectrum for me in terms of how how female characters are represented and that echoes back to your point of female characters have been underrepresented and underwritten and underutilized in films and basically been uh, set dressing for male characters for years and suddenly we have a film that kind of flips it on his head and has Ken be his only purposes to be with Barbie and suddenly everyone's up in arms about it it's just insane and it it's it's so like I love that they came out at the same time and I love that that's how his films are because Nolan is like what probably I think right now I would say one of the worst mainstream big name directors for female representation. Yeah. I think he probably is the worst. Like he's I'm, there might be others like but I I I'm talking about like box office review darlings not like people like michael bay who generally is considered kind of like not a great director but does well in box office like christopher nolan is regarded as one of the best directors and i've said for years that his films are so bad for female representation that i just can't be like oh yeah no he's amazing director because he he just treats women as like objects in his films to push his his films along and oppenheimer is like the most outrageous one of all of his films where you have literally we've spoken about it on our our review of it but Florence Pugh being used 
you know, for their body rather than them being a good actor. And it's so like, it actually made me feel deeply uncomfortable. And then at the same time, you have a film like Barbie coming out, which is just highlighting these issues with our society and that, you know, a film that people are saying is a masterpiece, one of the greatest things that's ever been put to film. And I'm like, I'm so glad this came out at the same time, because please, please listen to what it's trying to say, because it's not it's not good that women are treated like this in film. It's not okay. And I I just think Barbie really just it's I love that it came out at the same time. It's it yeah. makes me very happy that I can be like, well, you know, I think Barbie is a far superior film to Oppenheimer for X, Y, and Z reasons that we've listed. You know, it is just far better. Did you did you prefer Oppen, uh, Oppenheimer, Simone, or Barbie? I preferred Barbie. Yeah, because yeah. Nolan sucks. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't suck, but I I did prefer Barbie. I, like, I, I yeah. I think Oppenheimer is a great film. It is a, we didn't establish that in our Nolan episode. We didn't it's establish a, that in our Nolan episode. It's a good. Episode. We did. It's a good. The film. majority of the majority of us. The majority of us established that. Mm. But I think Barbie does a lot more for well for me anyway in terms of what I get from a film than Oppenheimer did. and I think it had more to say, didn't it? Barbie had more to say, I think. You know, like, even, like, on multiple levels. I think it just had far more to say about... Because, you know, the Ben Shapiro's of the world would be like, oh, it's about bloody telling us about the patriarchy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's one of the themes. But, like, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of different themes in it that, you know, some of them, as we rightly highlighted, aren't tied up as well as they could have been but they're still there tonally. Um, but I think it just had far more to say as a film. Well, yeah, I, think they, they, I agree. They've got two very different stories to tell, though, as well, though. I think whilst they came out at the same time... <laughs> I mean, that's I, fair. I, think, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, you, you've got to think about... The this film's actually about Barbie vision. trying to blow up the world. <laughs> oh, I mean, if that was the message and that was what Christopher <laughs> Nolan was doing, then you'd be like, well, okay... <laughs> Maybe Barbie's got more of a point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would do too. But maybe Barbie's got more of a point than what Christopher Nolan is saying. But I think the argument to say is that they've got two very different messages. I mean, one Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer is very much more a biopic with his comments and his fingerprints on t- in terms of the history telling, mm. and then you've got Barbie and Greta Gerwig who've got more of a message regarding today's social norms mm-hmm. and the patriarch and things like that. So I, okay. I, I think okay. it's I'll hard. Go, I'll let, I'll let, okay, okay, that's fair. I'll let him off then. I'll let him off for his... That's not to say that I loved the movie. I, <laughs> <think I'm okay. laughs> I mean, I, I I, do think that Barbie is saying more than Oppenheimer says. I like. I do feel like the film is more layered um, than Oppenheimer. I felt that... I mean, I don't want to turn this into an Oppenheimer episode. We've got the Oppenheimer <laughs> chapter coming up, but like... I do feel like with Barbie, there is so much critique on our world today. Um, Granted, not all of it goes as far as we want it to go, but there are the threads are there. And with Oppenheimer, I felt that it was actually quite lacking um, in terms of like wanting to be this like anti-nuclear arms because it turns into a courtroom drama about um, Oppenheimer and so I felt like that it's like completely shoved to one side mm-hmm. and we spend so much time on the courtroom drama that is like two-thirds of the film is on the courtroom drama and you only really have that bit in Los Alamos um, so yeah for me I, I I definitely came away from having so much more from Barbie than I did from Oppenheimer yeah like I don't, again I don't want to make it an Oppenheimer it is go to our website because I'll be there mine uh mine and Simone, thesis will be live yeah I was about to say mine and Simone's debate that we had I wrote a thesis on the issues with with Nolan but also Oppenheimer and something I found with Oppenheimer I watched a really great video I will we'll put the video as well on the website as well about this is a real segue but it is relevant but like Studio Ghibli for example, a lot of their films have been very deeply influenced by the Japanese experience due to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their films have, even though they're fantastical worlds, they have war as a presence, weaponry, destruction, what this actually does to a society. 
Whereas Oppenheimer just has this one scene where he has weird PTSD with a room getting blown up and then it's just never brought up again. And in it never talks about any of the issues that like Japan faced and it only kind of highlights that they didn't really need to drop it anyway. And like, I feel like because of that, it lacks like a social commentary for now. It's just like, oh, as Toby said, it is a biopic of this guy's life, but I think it tried to do something like, well, bombs are bad. You know, at the end, he's had this weird experience where he's like, dude, oh, well, we did set the world on fire. And I was like, well, where's the relevance of that? You haven't done that at all. Whereas yeah. in Barbie, it felt like they could have had, if you just want to watch this film for the good times and the vibes and the good energy and the jokes, you can. It is a good vibe. It's a really good vibe. But throughout it, it has a running motif of like, obviously, like the patriarchy with Ken. That's like obviously one of the main like crux where Barbie world is completely decimated by it. But there is the relationship between mother and daughter, which I agree with Toby from the start that that doesn't kind of flesh out nearer when they come back to Barbie world, which is a shame, but it is there. And I think there is other layers to this film that make it far more entertaining to me because unfortunately you are right, Toby, it is kind of like comparing, you know, two very different films, but because they came out at the same time, the the marketing that went in with that, the social media, you know, Barbenheimer craze, they are going to kind of be compared. Mm. And uh, I love that Barbie smashed Oppenheimer in the box office. It makes me very happy. Like that's something <laughs> what, that just what you're saying, Ian, is at the end of Oppenheimer, they should have had Godzilla come out of the ocean. <laughs> and be like, this is the reason that nuclear warfare is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I well, it would have been better than what we got. Like it would have been then, oh, pop culture references. Yes, I love this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, not exactly, but I think. Do you imagine that left turn in a Nolan film? I would have. Do you know what? I would have <laughs> fucking like, kai, loved some kind of kaiju. I would have loved yeah. if a kaiju came out of the fucking sea and just da, was like. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I would love. I'd love. Yes, Toby. I would love if it turned to the camera and went. This is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens I, when you mess with this. <laughs> that would have made it superb. And I must say, my roar just awoken Chewie from. His oh. <laughs> Like, well, what, what was that dad? Yeah, that's 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 oh, what happens chewy. The, poor chewy no i but i think you know it it does lack in this like it it feels like it's trying to be like yeah we've got this deep message of anti-nuclear weapons but it never really goes into that it never show, there's even a bit where oppenheimer sat in a cinema or not a cinema in los alamos where they're showing what the destruction has done but we don't see it there's nothing that like, and it's less than like a minute. It's just like, oh, and this is what the glass zone looks like, click, and this is what the click, and then that's it. And it's like, well, why, why haven't you shown us that? Like, why didn't you show us the devastation that this caused? Why didn't you show us Godzilla? No, that's like, <laughs> but, but why didn't they? Why didn't they? And it's because like, I, I, well, I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why. I think, you know, Nolan made it a courtroom drama. And this is becoming about Oppenheimer, so let's just and uh, and that's 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 another thing about Barbie, isn't it? Like men taking over. Let's not ah, let, what a segue! Not let Oppenheimer take over this moment. This is a Barbie exactly. moment. Godzilla comes in. This is what happens. <laughs> it let you you let it take over patriarchy. This is what happens. Now give me some horses to eat. <laughs> Oh, just yeah. FYI, anybody, why we mentioned Godzilla is that film is directly meant to be about like the post-nuclear destruction of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It's not just us referencing kaijus and stuff. Just FYI. I like to, I like to think the audience was smart enough to figure that out. They are. Sorry, I shouldn't underestimate. I'm doing a Ken thing. Oh, this is what happens. We oh, are Kenuff and stop, the audience are Kenuff. Stop podsplaining, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my guitar. Give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. Right, but I think Barbie's social message is much clearer and much better presented than this. And I think that the the film, the the strengths of this film are really lie in that. And the, like I say, the people behind it we've already mentioned: Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, etc. We've got a whole great cast in here. You know, like there's a there's a sex education mini reunion in this cast of 
uh, great actors, actors and actresses. Um, anyone else we think stood out? I mean, I, I liked the, I liked pretty much all the Kens. I think they were all pretty funny in their own yeah. way, especially the Ken beach fight scene. Yeah, the, yeah, that's amazing. I that's think that's funny. great. It was very funny in that. And, yeah. and all the all the Barbies are great. Like Kate McKinnon as weird, weird Barbie. I've always liked Kate McKinnon. I think she's a very funny actress. Um, but I think anyone, anyone or any moment really stand out for you guys as your, like your key. Uh, moment or line, I guess. I really enjoyed uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, yeah. Yeah, but he's kind of useless in this, isn't he? I know he? he's useless, useless but he's, the still, he's still really funny. Like, he even is, though he, he only has about, I don't know, five minutes of screen time, really. But yeah, he's true. still really funny in everything that he does. And, you know, we, I did expect the Mattel ceo to be like this evil guy but obviously they probably couldn't have done that That's i think he just represents the ineptitude of men sometimes you know yeah. he doesn't really know what he's doing he's, he's got not, no clue he's got no clue so he's just like oh we'll just brush it away and like literally put her back in the box because we have no idea how to deal with an actual situation yeah um so yeah well for was great yeah, sure. yeah. he's, he's I, yeah, I, I, you go in the art. Well, I think we have the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we have probably the same opinion. He is very funny, but like, I just felt the Mattel owners slash like board were just, and the whole Mattel building is just kind of like forgettable as a as a part of the film. Like, I think there's homages in it, homage in it of like, I think I mentioned to you guys before that I think it there's semi like, um, you know. Brazil, yeah, where you've got those dark offices and this almost like dreamland, which is like Barbie land, which I maybe it's me reading too much into it, but Greta Gerwig is very well, like, she's very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? She knows cinema incredibly well, so I feel like there may be some, like, elements there. Um, but then it just doesn't do anything. Like, it just kind of is like, oh, it's like very interesting space where it's like, oh, we're meant to be making children's dreams come true and yet it's like this dark and like not very pleasant space and then they just become kind of superfluous like they just don't do anything so yeah he is funny and there are bits that i did genuinely laugh with him there like the bit where they get to barbie land and then they start like hugging each other and he's like stop tickling me get off like and like that it's funny but like i just yeah just kind of i felt like he was very much there as a comic really for kids and i was like cool that's funny but i just didn't do much for me yeah, yeah, I mean, I felt, I felt he was like quite Will flat. Ferrell. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I, I sorry, Simone. <laughs> well, I liked Wolf. Yeah. I, I liked thought he was very too. funny. Carry on. Oh, there. <laughs> I was just gonna say, oh, I fucking hate Wolf. No, I, uh, <laughs> I just, I just found him and that a lot of the scenes just fell quite flat. When a lot of the other scenes with, say, like Ken and Simuli and Margaret Robbie and all the others, I just felt like they fell flat when the others got far more acknowledgeable laughs because I, I don't know i feel like will ferrell was just doing will ferrell like there was nothing new there it didn't it, it didn't really hit for me that, that that's my opinion i, I thought don't... um the little cameo of rhea perlman as ruth yeah was that was nice very good yeah and i like nice. the acknowledgement of her her mm. fraud <laughs> yeah <laughs> her fraud crimes in the part i thought that was a because i thought oh, okay they're gonna make her this perfection image of oh she's the barbie's godmother and then they're like oh you know we, we, th there was this small bit of <laughs> fraud that i was caught for but you know let's move on from that <laughs> it's very good it's very good best jokes best lines uh, i think Ian? i think um my favorite scene is the obviously barbie coming to human i mentioned before best joke though i d i mentioned it earlier i do think it's underrated her being like I'm not a fascist. I don't own the railways or like <laughs> commerce. Like that is such a, at the time I didn't even acknowledge it. And somebody highlighted it to me afterwards. And I was like, that is actually such a well, like, again, it shows the writing quality that you're getting there. Um, the other one that I liked quite a lot was when one of the Barbies came out of their like delusions and was like, Oh God, I feel like I've been wanting the Snyder cut to come out for years. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's just again very self-aware, very knowledgeable. Those were two that really stood out for me. Uh, Simone, best best jokes, best moment. Uh, best joke has to be the "Buy Your Depressed Barbie Now" yeah advert that comes <laughs> through. Good. Loved that. I also really enjoyed the when they break the fourth uh, when the they do the little uh, note to the filmmakers 
Margot Robbie's not the best option for uh, casting, if you want to prove this point. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really, yeah, I really enjoyed those two moments. They really made me laugh. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Uh, Toby, your ones? Uh, I mean, in joke form, I think anything that that Ken was mentioning after he figured out what, or supposedly figured out what the patriarchy was, Yeah, you know, where um, every night is boys' night. And him trying to explain the the concept of his new oh, I forget what the name of the, the the new Barbie's dream house that he calls like Casa de something or Mojo other Mojo Dojo Casa House. That's right, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was very funny, and like the uh, the saloon doors and just a lot of his outfits were fantastic. But actually, no, no I'm reminding myself now. The, my favorite joke with him is when he's gone to the real world, and after he's been asked a few questions by say. Um, uh, a teacher i think it is asks him what the time is and he's like Are you asking me what the time is oh no one's ever given me that respect and then he proceeds to go to a hospital asking to perform a surgery just because he's a man and then he's talking to a woman doctor he says no, no let me talk to the doctor and i thought that was very much on the nose but in terms of sort of a sentimental type quote i thought um the rhea perlman quote where uh, she's talking to barbie and says something along the lines of um Human humans only have one ending. Ideas live forever. I thought that was quite it was very soppy and very nice. I like that. Mm. Yeah, good. Uh, for me, the joke, one of the jokes I think uh, Simone alluded to earlier is the the brick wall joke, where they are trying to build the brick, where they're trying to you know get out of Barbie Land, but they realise that they're the Kens are building a wall, but they're only building it up and not along. So I think that's pretty that's pretty funny as well. Um, but yeah, that is all the time we have for this week. Thank you, as always, to my fellow nerds, Toby, Ian and Simone, for joining me. Uh, and of course, thank you to all you wonderful listeners. We really, really appreciate every single one of you. Remember, if you've enjoyed listening to us today, you can listen to us talk about all kinds of things on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. And please tell your friends to come and join us as well. You can find us at Instagram at the Phantom Zone Podcast. And you can also email us at the Phantom Zone Podcast at gmail.com. So feel free to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but for now, until next time, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.